What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Clips Combo Show, where we break down everything you need to know about the LA Clippers. I'm your host, Joey Lynn. And well, to be quite honest with you, I don't exactly know how to start this episode because I have never recorded a podcast coming off of a six-game losing streak because I didn't have a podcast five years ago in the 2017-18 season when the Clippers last had a losing streak this long. It was, yes, the 2017-18 season where they lost nine straight games, I believe it was, when the Clippers last lost this many games in a row. Coming into this season, if you would have told me that past the midway point, the Clippers would be on a six-game losing streak and would be sitting at 21-21, and I would say, what went wrong? Who got hurt? What is going on? And here we are, midway through the season, past midway through the season now. The Clippers are on a six-game losing streak. They're an even 500 at 21-21. and They are tied with the Lakers in the loss column. And the only reason I bring that up is because the Lakers have gotten so much slander this year for underperforming and really having a dreadful season. And yet here they are just one game behind the Clippers in the standings and tied in the loss column. I think the Clippers are only two losses ahead of OKC in the standings. Maybe even less than that. You know what? I'm going to pull it up. I literally think the Clippers are only two games ahead of OKC in the standings right now. Exactly. Yes. Two games ahead of OKC, only one loss better than OKC. So that begins to put things in perspective, just how bad the Clippers have been this season, but especially as of late. And a lot of people are rightfully concerned. You know, of course, there's some fans who will say, well, you know, things were worse back in, you know, the 90s or the 80s, however you know far back they go. You know, this isn't that bad, Clippers fans. Uh, I see a lot of fans, you know, calling out some of these younger fans and trying to tell them, hey, you know, it's not that bad. You shouldn't be upset. It used to be worse. And if that's the way you want to look at things, then as you guys already know, I I like to say on this podcast, I don't police fans, so I'm not going to tell you how to feel. But in the same way that I don't police fans, I don't think other fans should be policing fans and telling them how to feel. Because if we're going to be completely honest, yes, things used to be worse for the Clippers, but the standards have changed since then. The standards changed the minute that Steve Ballmer took over as owner. And the standards changed again when the Clippers made the trade to bring in Paul George and they signed Kawhi Leonard. The standards changed even more then. The goal was always to win a championship, especially once Steve took over. But when the Clippers gave up Shea, who was now a 30-point-per-game score, well on his way to an All-Star appearance, might even start in the All-Star game, and a record-setting collection of draft choices, the goal was not one Western Conference Finals appearance. The goal was a championship. And while that still could happen, heck, it still could happen this season. There are fans that are 100% justified in being completely upset and disappointed in the team currently sitting at 21 and 21 right now over midway through the season with putting my fingers in quotes, the most stacked roster in Clippers history. Almost every single outlet picked the Clippers to win it all this year, if not be a Western conference finalist or NBA finalist. 
that that was the expectation coming into this season. So when people say, well, you know, things aren't as bad as they used to be, well, they shouldn't be. The Clippers had the worst owner in the history of sports back then. They have, by many, by many metrics and by a, a lot of people's standards, the best owner in sports right now. It is a completely different era. You cannot compare the Clippers of old to this Clippers group and say fans have no right to be upset with the way the team is playing because they're better than they used to be way back in the day when Donald Sterling was the owner. I mean, come on now. Again, I'm not here to police fans. If that's how you want to feel and if that's what makes you feel better and if that's your real outlook, then you do you. But I don't think that you should be jumping on fans for being discontent with what they've seen so far this season, especially fans who pay to go to games, who show up to games expecting to see a quality product, and a lot of times aren't even seeing the best players play. And that gets into a whole nother conversation I'm going to hit on at some point throughout this podcast episode. The fact that since Kawhi Leonard and Paul George joined in 2019, they have played just 35% of the Clippers' possible games together as a duo. Of all the games the Clippers have played since those two guys joined, they have been together as a duo for only 35% of those games. So for fans who are upset with that, And for fans who are upset with the way things have gone this season, you are completely justified in that. And you're going to get no criticism from me because I completely understand and I see see things the same way that you do. And again, going back to the other fans who don't feel that way, you do you as well. But I don't think it's fair to jump on the other section of the fan base and say that they should be okay with what's happening because the team used to be worse. Just makes no sense. The expectations changed the minute Bomber took over. And they changed even more. The clip the t- at the time the Clippers made a win now trade to bring in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So that's just a, a bit of my intro, just kind of getting some of those feelings off my chest, some of the things that I've been seeing amongst the fan base. I, I don't like that discourse. I don't think it's fair uh to people who yeah, quite frankly, they weren't born back then. So how can you expect them to have different expectations if this is this is all they've known? All they've known is a lob city team who continuously year after year underperformed and choked in the playoffs. And then now they've had a Clippers team that, well, their first year together, they choked in the playoffs. Their second year together, they were hurt. Their third year together, they were hurt. Now their fourth year together, they've been kind of hurt, kind of not hurt. And when they have been hurt, they've understandably been bad. And even when they've been healthy, they haven't really been all that great. That's my rant. I don't need to go any further on that. That's that's that. You guys know what I'm getting at there. I don't think it's fair um, to get on younger fans for being upset about that because I think it's completely justified. But I'm not here to to go any further into that. I do want to talk about basketball, and I do want to talk about this six-game losing streak and some of what's been going on, some of what I believe to be the problems are. And I'm just going to start with the obvious. Uh, Reggie Jackson got benched coming into last night's game in place of Terrence Mann. It's a change that a lot of fans had been calling for. It's a change that, in one way or another, I had been advocating for as well. Um, when Luke Kennard was was healthy and was playing well, I thought he should be the guy who should go into the starting lineup. Um, but the logic remains the same, right? You're taking out Reggie Jackson, and you're not putting in John Wall. You're instead putting in 
again, my fingers in quotes, a non-traditional point guard into the starting lineup, and you're running things that way. Um, whether that be Luke Kennard, whether that be Terrence Mann, whether that be Norman Powell, it's kind of the same thought process. You're taking Reggie Jackson, who is what people consider a true point guard, out of the starting lineup. You're not substituting that with John Wall, who would, I guess, logic would say would be next in line because he's the other true point guard on the roster. You're instead taking a guy like Terrence Mann, essentially playing him out of position and going bigger and and leaning a little bit more into your wing depth. I was 100% in favor of the move. Uh, Reggie Jackson, as much as I love him, and I really do love the guy, uh, he's done a lot for the Clippers, and he has been incredible to be around as a reporter. He is, I mean, he goes out of his way to to dap everybody up before games. I mean, he'll compliment your outfit. I mean, he'll he'll stand there and talk to you about life. I mean, really just an A-plus dude, probably second to Boban in terms of the nicest guy in the league. Um, but that that doesn't change the fact that he struggled this year, and it doesn't change the fact that the Clippers have been bad when when he's been on the floor. And I think a lot of Clippers fans feel the same way about Reggie. They love him as a person. They love what he's done for the Clippers. Uh, but they recognize that he's hurting the team right now, especially as their starting point guard. So I was 100% in favor of the Clippers going away from Reggie in that starting group and going with Terrence Mann. I felt, of course, with Luke out, it was 100% the right move. Had no issue with it at all. But my concern before the game, and I should have tweeted it out. I, I talked about it with people in the press room and you know I, I expressed this concern going into the game but my concern was that if Reggie didn't start if Ty wasn't going to cut him out entirely chances were he was going to bring Reggie in with a bench group that included John Wall and Norman Powell the three guard group that we have been trying to get away from even though it's usually included Norm Luke and John but with Luke out I knew it was probably going to include Reggie, John, and Norm. And that's exactly what we got. And not only did we get that three-guard group, but we got it with Moses Brown. And I don't care if Kawhi Leonard is out there. There is no player probably in NBA history, not Michael Jordan, not Draymond Green, not Tony Allen. I mean, pick your defender. I don't think there is a defender in NBA history that can make a four-man group of Reggie Jackson, John Wall, Norman Powell, and Moses Brown competent defensively. There is just no possible way to do it. And that is exactly what we saw with that first bench group. The Clippers basically went from up 10 to down 10. I don't know exactly how much they were up or exactly how much they got down. I know it was 14 at halftime, but they built themselves a nice little lead. And that went, I mean, really in an instant once that group came in. And it was beyond predictable. It was beyond predictable. Moses Brown, I love how hard he plays. Dude works. I mean, his limitations are what they are. They aren't his fault. But he just, you know, it's tough to play defense with him out there. The only possible way you do it is if you have a guard like Pat Bev who can fight over screens and get that rear contest without feeding the ball handler in a pick and roll into the deep drop coverage and giving up, especially for a guy like Trey Young, a wide open floater. That's exactly what happens every single time that Moses Brown is on the court, especially when he's playing with poor defensive guards like John Wall, Reggie Jackson, and Norman Powell. That group made no sense. I was worried that we might see it, and I was somewhat shocked that we actually did because I felt like it was so painfully obvious that that group had no business being on the floor together, and yet we saw it rolled out against a very good point guard in Trey Young. 
And it didn't go well. You know, it's funny. I think Trey was even off the court for a lot of the time that that group was on the court. It wasn't even him who was totally killing them. It was other guys. That's how easy it is to pick apart that defensive group. So that didn't go well. Ty Lue made the adjustment in the second half. He did not go back to Reggie Jackson, who played just seven total minutes. But still, the rotations were not great. We still saw two-man groups of John Wall and Norman Powell. The groups of, of Reggie Jackson and Norman Powell have been horrible all season long. The groups of John Wall and Norman Powell have not seen as much time together, but they have also not been good. It has been a very rough season for the Clippers guards. It has just not been a good tandem, and primarily it's because none of them really defend. Luke Kennard, I, I'm calling Terrence Mann a wing. I know that's kind of been a little bit of a of a debate on Clippers, Clippers Twitter whether or not uh, nor or excuse me, Terrence Mann is a wing or a guard. Just for the sake of this argument, I'm calling him a wing because he can play the three. Um, shoot, we saw him at the four last night. Don't think that should happen. Um, but uh, with these three guard groups, Luke Kennard is probably, and this is saying a lot, the best defender when it comes to the combination of Reggie Jackson, John Wall, and Norman Powell. Luke hasn't had a great defensive stretch. I think his calf has something to do with that over the last few games, but I would trust him on an island more than I would trust John Wall, Reggie Jackson, or Norman Powell. And as I mentioned, I just pulled up the numbers right now. The duo of John Wall and Norman Powell has played 353 minutes together. They are a negative 9.5 net rating. The duo of Norman Powell and Reggie Jackson has played 320 minutes together, so I was a little bit wrong on that in terms of which duos have seen more time together. That's a negative 15.2, folks. They are getting outscored by over 15 points per 100 possessions when Reggie Jackson and Norman Powell are on the court together. John Wall and Norman Powell, not that much better, negative 9.5. Quite frankly, Norman Powell has been bad with every single combination that he has been with, Um, and that's not even an exaggeration. If I'm looking at all of the duos that he has played with so far this season, (laughs) ironically enough, you guys want to know the only one that has a good net rating? It's with Musa. The combination of Norman Powell and Musa Diabate have seen 12 total minutes together this season, and they're a plus 86.4 in the net rating category with a 77.3 defensive rating and a 163.6 offensive rating. Not really worth looking at. 12-minute sample size means nothing, but it is somewhat funny. The only other positive net rating uh, with Norman Powell is Amir Coffey. That's a very small plus 0.4. Every other player on the roster has a negative net rating with Norman Powell. Yes, that includes Kawhi Leonard. Yes, that includes Paul George. Yes, that includes Luke Kennard. Uh, Yes, that includes Terrence Mann. I mean, guys that pretty much have positive impacts with everybody. Norman Powell has been tanking those lineups. And I don't want to get too off track here because I wasn't really planning on talking about Powell specifically. I wanted to more so talk about the decision to sit Reggie down and then bring him back with that bench group. But uh, long story short, it didn't work the way we hoped it would. The starting lineup was fantastic in both of their shifts, not only to start the game, but to start the second half as well. The starting lineup was fantastic. But my concern was how is Ty Lue going to manage the bench? Well, he didn't do it very well because as we saw, those groups were not good. They blew the lead not once, but twice. And it resulted in the Clippers losing to the Atlanta Hawks. And, and maybe that was a little bit of exaggeration because the starters were in at the at the end of that comeback. But it still was that combination of Powell with those guys. John was in for some of that. It just didn't go well 
And a lot of that was just Ty not managing the bench uh, very well at all. And another thing to keep an eye on is when Luke Kennard comes back, because he was out for this game. That is another guard that needs minutes. Now, I tweeted it out uh, about a few games ago. I said Luke Kennard, Terrence Mann, and Norman Powell. I included Norm because he was playing well at the time. I said those are three guards who are capable ball handlers and all need to play. Neither one of them are point guards. Put my fingers in quotes, point guards. But all three of them are capable ball handlers, and all three of them, because of their unique skill sets, need to play. Terrence Mann, it has been solidified. He has to play. He plays hard. He gets his head above the rim. He gets two feet in the paint. He defends. He makes plays. He drives and kicks. He can knock down threes. The dude needs to play. It. Period. End of story. Terrence Mann needs to play. Luke Kennard, same situation. Yes, he has struggled a little bit over the last few games. I do think a lot of that is related to his calf, but he hasn't exactly been himself on either end. But still, I mean, come on, guys. We've seen enough of Luke Kennard last season and also this season to give up on the dude after three rough games. I mean, come on, let's be for real. Luke Kennard needs to play as well. His spacing, his shooting, obviously his defense hasn't been great over the last few games, but I think we got to look at a bigger body of work. He has been improving on the defensive end. Again, I am not running away from the fact that it's been a rough defensive stretch for him, but I do think some of that has to do with his calf, and I'm not going to allow that to overshadow a much bigger body of work where Luke has improved defensively. So there's that aspect of things. Again, his shooting, best shooter in the world, not named Steph Curry. He can put the ball on the floor. He can make plays for others. He can run pick and roll as the ball handler. He can run pick and roll as the screener. He can do a lot of things out there. That's Luke Kennard. He's got to play. Norman Powell, I would say it's not as sure of a thing as the other two guys that he needs to play every single night, but he does bring a unique scoring element that the Clippers don't really have from a lot of their other guards. He is the best pure scoring guard on the team. He can get to the free throw line, although I think he foul baits a little bit too much and it leads to some turnovers and some bad decision-making, but he can get to the free throw line. He can make threes. He can pretty much score at all three levels. He's a very gifted scorer. So for that reason, he has to play. But now you run into the problem here. If you have three non-point guards who need to play and need minutes who are all you know, guard slash four guys, but are really more so guards. Again, Terrence is a different discussion. I think he can play up. But for this sake of this conversation, we're going to group him in with those three. You got those three guys who need to play. Ty Lue has already said he's trying to stay away from three guard lineups. But now we haven't even talked about your two point guards, Reggie Jackson and John Wall. If you have Luke Kennard, Norman Powell, and Terrence Mann who all need to play, you're trying to stay away from three guard lineups, and yet you still need to find minutes for your two point guards, Reggie Jackson and John Wall, it is essentially impossible to stay away from three guard lineups. So that begs the question, what do you do about that? I think the harsh reality is that both Reggie Jackson and John Wall need to be out of the rotation. And the reason why I'm saying this is not reactionary. It's not because I don't like those two guys. And it's not because I don't think that they bring certain skill sets to the table that could be of value to the Clippers. But I think with this particular Clippers group, when you have Luke Kennard, who is a capable capable ball handler, fantastic shooter, can put the ball on the floor, run pick and roll. You got Terrence Mann, who can defend, who can cut, who can get his head above the rim, who can rebound, who can do a lot of different things on both ends of the ball. You got him, who can also handle the ball. And then you got Norman Powell, who we just talked about. 
If all three of those guys are capable ball handlers and all bring more than Reggie and John do in so many other different areas, I think you are very much limiting this team's potential if you continue to play both Reggie Jackson and John Wall simply because they are, I'm putting my fingers in quotes, point guards. As of right now, I think that is the only reason why they have continued to play. That and the fact that Reggie has been the guy for so long and John Wall was a former star. They have wanted to try to make them work, but I think at this point it is painfully obvious what needs to happen. Both of those guys need to be out of the rotation. And whether that means the front office has to force Ty Lue's hand by making a trade and packaging those guys, both of them are on expiring deals because John has a team option, Reggie is expiring. I think both of them are very tradable. If you package them together, you could probably get a decent backup center in return. You maybe attach a pick or a young piece like Brandon Boston. Whether it's the front office going that route or Ty, you know, in the time being, while we wait for trades to be made, just sitting them both down and making a hard decision, I think that is what needs to happen. And again, it's tough. I love both of those guys. Again, I have positive relationships with both of them um, as people. So it's it's nothing personal. But I think it's it's pretty obvious now at this point that those two guys have hurt the team badly this season when they have been on the floor. And it's tough because at the beginning of the season, I was very high on John Wall and what he could potentially bring the Clippers simply because he brought an element of transition play and pace and playmaking that they hadn't really seen since honestly Blake, because even CP didn't, didn't push the pace like that. They haven't had a transition threat like John really since Blake. And because of that, there was a level of excitement because the two, one, three combination of Kyle Leonard and Paul George, they certainly haven't had a point guard like that. And I think we saw a lot of the positives in John wall early in the season where he was getting two feet in the paint, finding shooters, you know, picking his spots offensively, but that's really deteriorated uh, over the last month or so where he's settling a lot more and whether that's, you know, a, a fatigue thing, I don't know, or if it's just him trying to prove himself, he's settling a lot more offensively. He hasn't been good defensively. His decision-making has been very poor. He's been out of control. He has been taking ill-advised shots. Um, hasn't been making the extra pass that we had was, really were seeing him make early in the season. And it's resulted in some very, I mean, undeniable impact numbers on the court. Uh, he has he has been very bad and, and, and very harmful to these Clippers lineups when he's been on the floor. And when you got guys like Luke Kennard, Terrence Mann, and Norman Powell that need minutes and bring a lot more and are all capable ball handlers, why at this point are we still playing Reggie and John big minutes. Now, of course, Reggie only played seven last game, and I wanted to get into that as well because, in my opinion, the Clippers showing the willingness to go away from, again, fingers and quotes, a traditional point guard in the starting lineup leaves me with some optimism that they might be willing to go away from a traditional point guard entirely. And if you were to ask me, I think that is what this current group calls for. I've always thought the traditional point guard thing was overrated for this Clippers group. Never thought it made sense because when the game is on the line, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are going to have the ball in their hands. You don't need a traditional point guard when Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have the ball in their hands. And I forget who it was, but somebody brought, like, brought up a great point on the timeline the other day. They were talking about when the Clippers traded for Rondo, right? 
Somehow our front office got tricked into the idea that the Clippers needed a true pure point guard out there on the floor. What ended up happening a lot of the time when Rondo was out there on the floor? He was relegated into a catch and shoot role. Why? Because the ball was in the hands of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And there were some stretches where, yeah, Rondo knocked down some of his catch and shoot threes. But why on earth would you rather have Rajon Rondo, or in this case, John Wall, standing in the corner as a catch-and-shoot threat when you could have Luke Kennard in that spot or Norman Powell in that spot or Terrence Mann in that spot? Why on earth would you rather have a guy like John Wall out there in that catch-and-shoot spot just because he's a point guard? It doesn't make sense. This Clippers team is different because their two-star wings are also capable ball handlers. You don't need a true point guard. The best offense in Clippers history came with Patrick Beverly starting at point guard. Yes, he was a capable ball handler, an efficient ball handler, but he wasn't a true point guard. He was an opportunistic playmaker who can knock down catch and shoot threes and whose side note is starting to make his threes again. I know a lot of people in the Clippers fan base don't really like Bev as much anymore because, yeah, he's ran his mouth about the Clippers, but whatever, man, they traded him. He's been playing really well for the Lakers. I just wanted to <laughs> acknowledge that because I still love the dude. He was the point guard of the best Clippers offense in franchise history, the team that went to the Western Conference Finals, and he was doing that deep into the playoffs. So to think that the Clippers need a true point guard, in my eyes, is just delusion. It goes against all reality, goes against the sample size that we've seen both with a non-traditional point guard on the court and a traditional point guard on the court during the Kawhi Leonard and Paul George era. So I think for that reason... Whether it be a trade that takes John and Reggie off the team or whether it be Ty Lue sitting them both down, both of those guys should be out of the rotation in favor of guys like Luke Kennard, Terrence Mann, and Norman Powell. Because not only does it put better players in the lineup, which should always be the goal, but it eliminates really the possibility of three guard groups. Because at that point, the smallest you're ever going to get in your backcourt is going to be Luke, Terrence, and Norm. And is there some concern there with the Luke-Norm pairing? Yeah, there is, but it's a lot less drastic than when you're playing those two guys next to John Wall or Reggie Jackson because Terrence Mann is worlds better defensively than those two guys. And when you throw in Kawhi and or PG, it's really not nearly as much of a concern, especially if Luke can get back to defending you know, the way he has at times over the last couple of seasons. So that's the hard truth in my eyes. And again, you know, it, it's tough to talk about because Reggie has been a Clippers legend over the last few seasons. I mean, the Clippers don't make their first Western Conference finals in franchise history if it's not for Reggie Jackson. There's no denying that. And, you know, a similar sentiment goes towards Wall, who worked so hard to get back to a contender um, went through so much personally. I think a lot of Clippers fans, really all Clippers fans were rooting for him to do well and, and still are, but uh, it just hasn't worked out. And that's not to say it couldn't at some point, but I think for right now, it's very clear what this Clippers team needs. And uh, it's it's not John Wall and Reggie Jackson playing heavy minutes. It's it's just not. As as much as I would like those two guys to be big big time contributors, They've got their chances midway through the season. I mean, how much bigger of a sample size do we need? 
Um, neither one of those guys have been good. And I think it's both. It's time for both of them, not just Reggie, to take a seat in favor of better players. It's about all I have to talk about here today because I think that's the the main talking point um, that needed to be addressed. I had to get into at the beginning, you guys, though. Um, you know how I feel about you know some of the older Clipper fans jumping on the on the young crew for being upset. Man, you guys have the right to be upset. <laughs> absolutely have the right to be upset the season has not gone well hopefully it turns around and uh you know i'll be here to give you guys coverage of it one way or the other my job doesn't change so i appreciate all the support you guys continue to show uh should be back next monday you know maybe maybe even i'll record something else during the middle of the week kind of just playing it by ear here but uh we'll see how it goes hopefully the clippers should grab a dub against luca and the Mavs tomorrow Hopefully, I would like to see Luca play. He's listed as questionable right now. I'd like to see him play. I mean, you always want to beat teams at full strength, but at this point, the Clippers will take a win any way they can get it. <laughs> so I'll catch you guys at some point either this week or again on Monday. Until then, you guys, as always, much love and go Clippers.